0: This is HPR episode 2633 entitled Elm First Impressions. It is posted by Tuku Toroto and is about 30 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is My first impressions on Elm programming language.
1: This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate.
0: Good morning listeners of the Hacker Fox Radio. I'm Tuka Turto, Tuturto, and you can call me Tuka if that's any easier. Uh I'm today or tomorrow, uh, yeah. Today I'm going to talk to you about Elm. My first impressions on on the language after playing around with with it a little bit. So how how did I get started with the Elm? I have been working with some Haskell code web web uh, project as a hobby and needed to make some client-side scripting and I wanted to do something else than JavaScript and so cho- chose Elm because it looked interesting. Elm is a statically typed functional language compiled to JavaScript. So it means that you write your code in Elm and then you run a compiler, and that compiler turns the Elm code into the JavaScript code that you can include on the web page. It also, it also checks that your types matches, like you cannot accidentally use stri- strings in, instead of integers. and things like So, it took a little bit of fiddling to get things things up and running with the, with the yes-word. Mainly because I didn't know better, but after, after, after I figured out how to, how to include Elm, Elm scripts into YesOd site, it was pretty smooth sailing. And I must admit that I really, really, really like the Elm currently. It's a really exciting language for me. So, uh, Elm architecture. So, the, architecture of the programs you write in the L, not the language architecture. So it's pretty set to the stone how you, how you are supposed to structure your programs. I don't know any other ways to do, do that. But essentially you have a event loop and you have a handful of functions that are related to that event loop. First is init for setting, setting up things. That basically just returns you the state of the program, like this is the initial state, and it might run one or more commands. We'll get into into those a little bit later, but those are, uh, for example, if you are loading uh, some JSON data from the web server, this is where you do it. That's that's what you do with the commands. And uh, that state of the program, that's just a single, single type or instance of that type i i usually end up just being very un you un unimagin- unimagined called my model as a, or my state as a model so this is this is what the init does initial stage zero or more commands then there's a update it's a function that takes a uh, two two parameters it takes the current state and it gets a gets a, a message. And based on those it creates a new model a new state for you. And and that's basically it. Oh, right. It also might again create few or more commands. And these these uh messages that update handles, these can be uh This can be results of commands, like if you, if you send a HTTP get to the server, eventually it will come back as a message that, hey, here's your, here's your data. So the upgrade function is basically a big, big case study, like if if the message is this, do, do this to the state. If the message is this, do this to the state and so on. And the last important part is the view. This is, What is in charge of rendering things on the screen? And it's just a function that takes one parameter, current state of the program. And it's supposed to return you a HTML page or fragment. Here you, here you, here you render your stuff on the screen based on the, based on the state of the program. Or actually you don't render it on the screen, you describe Elm that this is the HTML that I want to have. And behind on the behind the scenes will take that HTML convert convert it to what's on screen already and update the update it. Only on the parts that needs to be updated. The whole screen doesn't get updated every time there's a single event. And uh fourth part that not on every program is, uh, subscribe. That, that is, for example, if you want to set up timers at the beginning of the, beginning of the programs. This is, this is, uh, so this is the stuff that, okay, subscribe, I create a timer like this and subscribe to the, subscribe to that and it will start creating events to you on a, on a, uh, event, event base. And the init and the subscribe are run once at the start of the program, but the update and view are run constantly. Every time there is something happens, update. I mean, every time the new message comes, update takes care of that, and every time update has run, L architecture will take care of, care, will take care of that. The view will be run and it will display your stuff on the screen. So, it's really, it's, uh, the thing that I like about this is that it's so well organized. There's no accidentally updating the screen while you are modifying the state of the program, and you cannot modify state of the program when you're updating the screen. Everything is... Put, put neatly in the boxes and those boxes are labeled. So when you de- de- uh, define those four functions, you can construct a Elm program. There's I I don't remember what that function is called, but it's in every tutorial. So I'm, I mentioned commands earlier. So these are for things like HTTP requests, random numbers, geolocation, and such. So they, because Elm is Elm is a the idea behind the Elm. One one of the ideas behind the Elm is that the data data is immutable. You can't modify the data. You can only create a new 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 data. So if you have a if you have a model, for example, you cannot modify that, but you can create a new model person, that 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 uh, existing one. Same thing with the sort of same thing with the cannot accidentally somewhere in the program do something that has an effect on the, for example, it doesn't accidentally trigger HTTP request. You're very explicitly creating those commands at the update function, nowhere else. And when you create a command, you Elm doesn't execute it yet. You're just saying that, hey, Elm, please do, do HTTP get to this address and when the message comes, when the result comes back, wrap it into this, this message and give it to the update function. And Elm will take that, uh, command of yours and execute it behind the scenes. And at some point you will get message, but you're not, in, but yourself aren't executing anything. You are just asking Elm to do that stuff for you. So, I think all of the code you are writing in the Elm is really neat, neat and simple because of this, because everything is like, these parameters come in, this data comes out. You may call other functions. From your function, but those are again, these, this data comes in, this data comes out, very specifically typed. Nobody's, nobody's going to trigger a HTTP get, for example, or HTTP post somewhere deep in your code. You can be sure that if you call this function, nothing else will happen but the, you pass in the data and you get the answer back. And that makes the At least in my opinion, programs easier to, easier to keep, keep in, keep together and easier to understand what's going on. Okay, uh, JSON decoding, encoding. This is, this is something that I actually struggled initially. Partly because of the whole, uh, the language is completely new to me, partly because I think that the Elm's default JSON parser is somewhat it's It's not as good as it as as it could be but in the, in the end it ended up ended, ended up uh, pretty nice so uh in my in my case the json is a boundary between Yesod and the ln so on the server side there's are uh, all those nice little nice neat data structures modeling the my domain and then they get turned into the string that is cast over the internet. Elm receives that string hopefully in a, intact, and then turns that string into a object. And vice versa, of course, when the Elm and my Elm program send something on the server, all those beautiful data structures get encoded into the string that is passed over the internet. And this is the part where you, where where I got Quite a lot of errors and problems because you don't have type safety. You have a you have a string and then you are doing your best to parse it. And the compiler compiler can help you there somewhat, but the compiler has no clue whatsoever about the structure of your string that you are parsing. Compiler has an idea about the code that is doing the parsing, either coding or encoding, but it has no idea what, what's in the string or what sh- should be in the string, and I don't really know if it in any sensible way could even have that information. So, the, uh, uh, if you go talk about decoding first, uh, the ELMS parse, uh, JSON parser is based on the combining parsers together. There's a bunch of simple parsers, like it knows how to Take a string and turn that into the index, or take a string and turn that to the string, or take a list of something and as a, as a string presentation, list of something and turn that into the real list of something. And those are, somebody said that they are like Legos. They have a really, they're, they're, those tiny passes have a, same interface everybody everybody has the same interface and you can combine them together. So if you are if you are uh parsing an object, you are just saying that create me an object of this type and fetch from the JSON this field named this and parse it with this parser and then you fetch this field a no. field named like this and parse it with th- this parser and the whole thing wraps it as a uh, there is, uh, Elm talks about encoders. So the whole thing gets into the encoder. And that encoder you can throw into a new, uh, sorry, decoder of course. And that decoder you can use, it has a, the exact same interface as that humble take string return int. Now you have a decoder that takes take a JSON string and return your object, and then if you want to if you want to uh decode bunch bunch of uh you have a list of these in your Jsons, you can just say that okay, take a decode list and combine that with that your 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 specific parser and now you have a parser that parses a list of your things and uh you can have some logic there. If, if you have a JSON that, that, uh, is very complicated, very complex, you can have that things like, okay, try this part. If it doesn't work, try this and try third one as the last one. Like, so you can have some logic that it tries those three and uses the value, uses the rest that succeeds. But if nothing succeeds, the whole, whole thing just fails. Uh, that is not so nice here is that it, it relies on the order of constructor parameters. So if you have an object that takes a, say 10 parameters, it has tre- 10 fields, you have to pass those uh, decoders onto that object in a correct order. Types, types will help you there to keep things not not mixed up but it's still less than ideal. I don't really know how to write it better. And uh, like I said, the Helm's standard or original JSON decoder is a bit of, bit of a not so not so nice. Like 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 if you are passing an object that has two parameters, you are calling I think it's called object two function. And if you are passing an object that has three parameters or three fields, you are calling object three, and so on up all the way up to the object eight. And that's not that's not really good. but uh, there's a couple libraries One is JSON Extra and one is JSON Pipeline that are available at the LNF package system. And those will those those will make things a lot a lot easier and lot 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 nicer. I I personally am using JSON Extra because that's what I stumbled first and only on later on I learned about JSON pipeline. Pipeline is a Maybe a little bit nicer interface. You, you can, you don't have to repeat some things there that you have to repeat in the JSON extra, but both of them are, on, on my knowledge, pretty good. I'll include links into the show notes where to find this. Funnily, uh, encoding was much easier than decoding, right? On, the, on a retrofactor a retrofactor it's, isn't that surprising because you're just turning an object into string like you're basically basically you're just saying to the json.encode .encode that take this create me a uh, integer and keep, put, in, put it in this value this integer and then it will turn that into the json integer basically it will just put a Quotation marks around it. Same thing with the list and same thing with the other, auto JSON data types. And then you have the object that takes, just takes an array of tuples. First, first element of the tuple is a uh, name of the, name of the field and second one is the value, uh, second one is the parsing. The actual, actual deco uh, encoding part. So. Here you put, for example, encode int and your index Or, again, if you have a complex thing, you can put there your own encoder. So, again, you are building encoders for simple things and then combining those simple things to more more complex things to have a big, complex parsers that are relatively easy to maintain. Uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, ELM is Elm's data structures are immutable, so you, you cannot, you cannot modify them. You can just take our existing data structure and create a new one based on that. So, uh, with the uh, numbers, it's easy, like, you are, you are given one and you want to add something to that, you just say one plus, you, 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 uh, object plus one and you get two. But if you have a, if you have a, a hash tables or dictionaries or associative arrays, whatever whatever you want to call them, that are basically just a key value appears that you have a key and then you have a value. And if you want to uh work with those, then things can get a bit, bit more complicated. Reading is easy because if you are if you have an object called ship and then you have a, and you know that that's a that's a record El uses the record here, and you know that it's a record that has a name, name field in it. You can just say ship dot name, and you get the name out of. And if you if you know that the name object is a, again a record, you can say ship dot name something else. Maybe the I don't know first name. That that doesn't really make sense in the case of ship, but you you get the idea. So reading is easy, but if you want to modify things, then, then, uh, not modify, but create new ones, then, then it might get a bit trickier with the records. The Elm has that thing that you can create a new record and replace values inside of that. Uh, I mean, you can create a new record based on the old one and replace some of the values. That is easy to do, do on the Elm. No, no problems there. But if you have a nested record structure, And you want to, I think you, you have a, for example, you have a ship record and inside of the ship record you have a, what, uh, engine record and inside of the engine record you have a crankshaft record and there you have some value that you want to change. For example, how fast it's spinning. I don't know. And normally to change that you would have to, you would have to take that crankshaft record replace the value of it the that specific value that you want now you have a new new crankshaft record and then you want to stuff that into the engine so you need to construct a new engine record and replace the your crankshaft there with the, that new value that you created and then you have to take the ship and create a new ship based on the old replacing the engine with that new engine that you created, that has that new crankshaft that you created, and these gets really tedious over time. But Elm has sort of kind of lenses. They are setters rather. Lenses come. I think I first encountered those on the Haskell side. Mm-hmm. On the Elm side, they are quite a bit easier, simpler, because reading is reading of the things is so easy. But, and true to be told, I never really got the lenses working that well on the Haskell side, but that's, that's not here or there. But these are little helpers that are for, for, for modifying nested data structures. Because you can write a lens that, in our example, modifies the uh engine, ship's engine nothing else. And then you can write a lens that modifies uh engine's crankshaft. And then you can write a lens that modifies crankshaft's whatever value that rotation speed for example. And these these uh descriptions are just one lines. They are not they are not complicated. They are they are just one lines. And these lenses you can then Chain together to make a you can make a more com, more uh, complex lens and it give it to a name or you can just combine them when you need them without giving them to name and then you can just take your take your ship and say that on this ship run this lens and stuff change the value to this and it will Automatically restructure your whole ship engine crankshaft thingy. Set that value on the crankshaft. I can it together to a new, to a new engine. And to you, this is all happening in the, behind the, behind the scenes. You don't have to worry about this. You just say that, please, please update my ships this value, this value. And, you can also, uh, if you if you also like, if you want, you can also. There's a, another syntax that can be used to run a function to that value that you fetch fetch from the down there and use that to replace it. So that makes editing those those nested data structures much nicer. And there are a couple ones of these again. Please focus is what I ended up using. I I like the I like the name. Like you have a really complex, big thingy, and they just say, "Hey, please focus on this thing here." So, and again, I'll, I will include a link into the show notes where to find this one. So that's basically what I have been, what I have been playing with the elm so far. I have been, I, 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 um, I have been building a little. Spaceship designer just for fun, like where you can just pick what kind of cases you have, and then you start putting on the various components like bridge and sensors and motors and such, and then the then the program give, has some rules that you certain that you don't exceed the maximum fail weight and you have all the needed parts and stuff like that. And it has been it has been pretty pleasant it's been it's been a bit slow, but I think that's just because the error is a completely new language to me, so pretty much everything I need to ask ask from DuckDuckGo, go like hey, how do I do this so summa summarum what I like I like that the compiler will catch some errors like it it it's it, it's like a sort of car trailing there, keeping me in the Correct, correct track and not, not letting me to go into the funny places where you can add strings and integers together and I think that it might be easier if you have a big project for new new people come in if you have a statically typed language like Elm because it will it, the compiler will say that this place accepts except this kind of input and this this place combines with some some other stuff like this. It's like a sort of like a Lego's very specifically designed interfaces. You don't accidentally end up combining things incorrectly. Well, I mean you can combine things incorrectly, but compiler will catch some of those incorrect, incorrectness. Not all compiling Elm program is valid Elm. It's not a bug-free Elm program, but every compiling lm program for public is much i don't know i just like i just like in this case that there's a there's a compiler to help me to keep things on track which is funny because i on the on the other hand i really love how you can work on a Dynamic, dynamically typed languages like some Lisp's and Python, they they are they are also real nice. So maybe I just like pretty much every language, but for for different reasons. I don't know. Uh, JSON parser, parsing, encoding, and decoding after the initial hurdles is pretty pretty nice. Like you get you get your magical strings coming from the internet turned into a Data structures in a way that hopefully catches some, some, some errors. And on the other hand, you can take your, take your beautiful data structures and create, create a string and send them to the internet with some, some confidence. Uh, document, documentation on the Elm is good. There's a, the official, official site has nice amount of examples and the, package repository seems to have decent documentation on at least on the packages that I ended up using. Uh what I miss. Sometimes some sometimes there's a uh, some cases where I wish that I, where I wish that the Elm would have type classes. This is a feature from the Haskell side. But you you can usually work around that and it's not that big thing and but I mean it's not that big deal that they aren't there. They are huge thing. To implement i think that's because the, i think that's why they are not in the helm i i found some discussions online where, where they're talking about implementing those and sort of kind of saying that we look we look into this but nothing has surfaced and it's it's not it's nothing big it's not, just something that I wish sometimes and what I, what I really should learn is to, how to debug properly and how to do testing of the Elm programs properly. I, I don't really know anything about that. I know that there's a bunch of de- testing libraries out there, but I just haven't had time to lo- look into those and, and experiment with those. Same, same with the debugging. I have, I have a res- result, uh, I have I use that age old printing out data debugging. So when you when I have a piece of program that isn't isn't working I'm just printing out what what's going in and what's going out and trying to figure out what's what's wrong with that. But that's a that's a really nice thing about Elm that because every every function is just data in, data out, it's easier to think what's 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 wrong with this? Like why isn't this thing working? You don't have to Go, go hunting all over the program. Like, is this flag set or if is this thingy up in a state A or B? You. Everything is just. This comes in. You do some processing. This comes out. That's nice, nice and clean, and makes makes thinking about the program a little bit easier. But that's that's about it. What I have to say about Elm currently. It's a really nice language. I heartily uh, recommend you to have a look at it if you are doing some client-side scripting on the web and want to try out some different types of languages. Okay. Talk to you next time. Cheers.
1: You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org.